Welcome to the Ethical Consumer Podcast. I'm your host, Julia Abbott. Join me for weekly chats with food and beverage brands, because caring about the process behind your food should be just as important as enjoying it. Hello, everyone. It's Julia back again with another episode of the Ethical Consumer Podcast. And today I have with me not necessarily a food brand, but one could argue that you do end up ingesting part of his products. I'm here with Ecolips founder Steve Schreiber. Thanks for being with me here today, Steve. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yes, most definitely. So you are another semi-local to me, Iowa company. I'm in Cedar Falls. You're in Cedar Rapids. And a lot of people get the two confused. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But uh, good Midwestern towns. I think so, too. I think so, too. Yeah. All right, Steve. So we are talking about lip balm today. And again, the lip balm is not necessarily a food like most other cosmetics. The skin is the largest organ and lip balm applied directly to the lips, to the mouth. You do end up eating some of it, do you not? (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally. And we go through the same scrutiny with our ingredients that you have to go through with uh, organic food. So we are we actually have the USDA audits our facility like they would a food facility. Excellent. And I know some cosmetics do not have that high of an inspection either, which is kind of sad because, again, skin is our largest organ. We're going to absorb everything we put on it. So Uh, we've got about 30 What is so special about your... What what we've really done is made organic uh, products accessible. So specifically organic lip care that is certified organic, fair trade, non-GMO, made by a B corporation. We offer it at a a pretty value-oriented price. So this container of Mongo Kiss, which is one of our top sellers, is a 0.25-ounce stick, and you can get this for $2.50, whereas a competing brand for all the same third-party seals would be 5 or $6 for the same size container. So we've always wanted to be as fairly priced as possible. Which is excellent because I know, as you said, some other lip balm companies and cosmetics in general Mm -hmm. definitely hike the price tag up. And for something that should not be considered a luxury, like a lotion or a lip balm or something that everybody needs to have access to really, um, it's unfortunate when the higher quality products have a huge price tag on them. It makes it not affordable to buy a good product. Right. When we when we launched in 2003, our sole mission was, this is before organic was big. This is before, you know, that there was organic products in every grocery store in the country. And we looked at our lip balm as a gateway organic product. And we were like, this little thing could be the thing that somebody tries that is going to lead them into more organic produce, dairy, food, et cetera, clothing. And it worked. It's an easy switch if it's in your pocket. Again, and you know, even if you were to go for the $4 or the $5 stick, something like that, it's still an affordable, usable product that someone's going to use every day. And I think I notice the difference when I'm using good products, your products, as opposed to other ones. And I think other people do too. So when was the initial conception of this idea? Oh, yeah. So um, back in... The late 1900s, uh, <laughs> I, I had a company called Raining Rose, and it's named after my two oldest daughters' middle names, Hadley Rose and Lindsay Rain, and we manufactured lip balm and other skincare products. And I had a sales rep, his name was Jim King, and he was our top sales guy. And, and, and we were making other people's products at that time, so it was all private label, 
lip balm, basically going out to dental offices and other, other brands. And Jim called me one day and said, what is like, we're, we're, we're building all these other people's brands and we're spending so much time and energy building these other people's brands. And I don't really feel like any of them are doing it right. He said, and I agreed with, and we're like, let's do it and let's make it organic and let's get it out there and let's do it right. And so that, so we started working on that plan in late 2001, 2002, and then in 2003 sold off raining rose and we just, and we launched hard with Ecolips. Okay. So you were already kind of in the balm and cosmetic industry, but oh, yeah. is, it's called white labeling. Is that correct? White yep. labeling where you make other people's products and they get to put their name on it. And you're like, I made it, but they get right. credit. <laughs> yeah, yep. And, and yeah, and, and we wanted to be this example, you know, we wanted to be the, the solar powered, wind powered, you know, USDA, B Corp, all that stuff. And we couldn't be that with, while we're, I mean, we, it was challenging to really um, share our ethos with brands that were hiring us. It was more like we were becoming what they wanted us to become rather than the products becoming what we wanted it to become. Sure. So you were, in a sense, kind of sac- sacrificing your ethos while you were yeah. filling their businesses. Yeah. Working Which with doesn't ingredients. Feel good. That, no, and, and doing, working with some ingredients that we didn't want to work with, and, you know, because we had bills to pay. and you know, now we have control over it. We can decide <laughs> what's good and bad and what we want to, what we want to share. Oh, for sure. Well, and your name is going on it. So you deserve to be proud of the products that you're putting out and you deserve to be able to do them in the way that you want to do them. That's right. So what was your first line? What was your first product? The first product, it was, uh, it was Ecolips. And I remember our sell sheet, we had, we had two flavors of SPF 15 lip balm. It was mint and berry and it was Ecolips lip friendly, price friendly. And so we were always just like, and we literally, and we were selling it for a buck a piece. Cause we we're like, we're going to go after chapstick. We're just going to go Man. hardcore. After, yeah. <laughs> and, yep. and, uh, and we had a few different display options and we, and we got out there. I mean, but it was, we wanted after one of the things that Jim did, uh, he flew to Iowa from California and we literally, on his way and before he got here we bought every single lip balm that we could find and we laid it on a this huge conference table in front of us and we went through and we were like okay what's good about this what's not good about this what you know what do we like what don't we like what are we hearing from consumers and what we we think that we started ecolips with what we believe was the you know top flavor top feel top function so mint and berry and then every year we added more products. Well, and at this point now, guys, if you go to their website, you can see every single line they have. And it's really quite extensive. And I have tried. I have had the SPF, the original SPF. I have right now with me the hemp with hemp oil in it. And this is the vanilla flavored one. I cannot lay hands on and it's upsetting to me because it's one of my favorites for running out the door and making myself look a little bit more awake and brighter is the (laughs) tint. Yes. I love the tint. I have it in the red. So I've had a couple over the years. And one thing that I like about it is you don't usually have to order. You can order online, but your products are in so many stores. It really does make it super accessible. But you've never grown too big. You've always stayed in Iowa. And pardon me, is it Marion or is it Cedar Rapids that you're technically based in? 
We're technically based in Marion for the last two years now. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, and you've never decided to move. You've always stayed in the Midwest. You've stayed local. So I know you're a local company. I can buy you local and I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. What is, um, this is a hard question, I'm sure. What is your go-to? Is that Mongo that you have with you your standby or do you have a favorite that you've created? I do. The, the Mongo Kiss Vanilla Honey is, I think it was like the culmination of, of 20 some years of experience that just all just came out in that product, just the form, feel, function, all that stuff. So that's my, my favorite go-to, but I really enjoy going into the product development room and seeing what, what they're working on and just grabbing something new every day when I can. Well, so like you said before, you were, you were the first organic lip balm company. Is that correct? Yeah. So I mean, we were the first company to to really market and sell organic lip balm at any scale. So there there were definitely some ma-and-pa operations going to farmers market and making organic lip balm, but we were like the first ones that we that that pitched and, and got into every you know retailer that we could. Now organic was originally that that was the desire that was the whole purpose was to create a better product a cleaner product a greener product with organic in mind what were the next few steps that you took to essentially greenify your label your products it's been a journey we have always it's always been a balance of finding you know what we can what you know it's like well what we want to do is we want to offer a you know, refillable, reusable, biodegradable, organic lip balm. And we just haven't figured that out yet, but we're getting closer and closer every day. And so when we started, you know, it's like, we're going to be all about the ingredients and we are going to share our knowledge with everybody we can about, and and again, use this, use this product as a force for change. But as we could increase, you know, at first it was just organic sunflower oil and organic beeswax that were our main drivers. And now we're sourcing ingredients from around the world and, and more fair trade ingredients. And, and we have experimented with other uh, sustainable packaging measures and we continue to do that. So we, we always would try to use FSC certified or biodegradable paper or uh, uh, recycled content for any of the paper packaging. And then we, you know, then we get into our exterior, our building. We've now we run on solar power. And when we don't hit, when we have to draw from the grid, we offset that with wind power, Iowa wind power credits that we purchase as well. So part of the B Corp certification is measuring all of these inputs and outputs and just really making sure that we are, you know, always continuing to strive for something better when it comes to greenification. Another guest that we've had on the podcast, Single Speed Brewing, they have solar as well. And the difficulty with solar in Iowa is that sometimes we don't have sunshiny days. Thankfully, today we definitely do. But that's that's always kind of difficult. So that's awesome that you're able to offset. You said you have wind energy credits that you use. So this is just something that you buy if you need it, essentially? Right. So we we just budget every year, we budget a certain amount of money to go towards wind infrastructure building in the state of Iowa. And that has a direct net positive carbon impact by us investing and having another wind turbine built, then that allows us to use that calculation and help offset our energy 
in our building. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, that's the first any, person that I've heard can of do doing that. that. Oh, yeah. oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, if you just if you now, I mean, it's 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 a step away from having a wind turbine directly connected to your building and doing that thing. But but what's great about it is that you know where most people are located might not be the best place for a a big wind turbine and it might not be the best place. I mean, whether it's for the infrastructure or the actual wind that's being generated, you know, when you, when you drive out Northwest Iowa, now you see all those wind turbines and some of that is, you know, because of what we're doing. Cool. It's almost like a co-op sort of situation where everyone gets to support it. Everyone gets the benefits from it, but at the same time, you don't have to, it's not like you're, you don't have the turbine. You don't have to order the bulk bag. The store orders the bulk bag and you get the share. You support the turbine construction and then you're helping to offset your carbon costs. Well said. Oh, that's excellent. So cool. Wonderful. Now you mentioned B Corp and that's a big certification. And that's something we've talked about on the podcast before. And you have a whole host of other certifications as well. And to me, it seems, and to I think a lot of other people that are familiar with your company too, you've been really ahead of the curve, ahead of the game as far as certifications go in the sense that a lot of these certifications were not actually in place when the time you started your company. So you're not a big business that's been in business for 17 years and you're now backpedaling to get all of these certifications and be um, a PC, as it were. You you did this from the beginning. And you starting in 2003, the only certifications that you have, oh, pardon, we have four that you have that were already in place were the current good manufacturing okay, practice, yep, CGMP. the CGMP yep, yep. that was in 1969. So that was kind of the OG <laughs> of, Hey, we're doing good. Yep. We're, we're doing, we're doing good stuff, guys. Yep. We had fair trade, which was a little hard to find the date because fair trade has not necessarily been, it is a certification, but it's been more of how you receive it or how you're marketing, how you're buying your raw ingredients Fair trade was around 1988, Leaping Bunny, the cruelty-free certification in 1996, and then USD Organic in 2000. Now, interesting things about your products is that you do incorporate beeswax. And beeswax, as we discussed a little bit right before we hopped on this recording, beeswax is an interesting raw ingredient to obtain and to certify due to the nature of our flying buzzards. It's an amazing ingredient, right? I mean, it's just this byproduct of the bees and we still have not found a great replacement for it from the plant plant universe. Um, And even when we can like candelia wax, for instance, or palm wax, they're too brittle and they're still not available in a certified organic quality that, that meets the USDA NOP. So, um, so we, so we still don't have a certified organic plant wax alternative that functions well. Um, the trick with bees, and I wish we could, uh, locally source Iowa organic beeswax, um, but there is not a, a single place in Iowa that you can put an apiary and have bees with a five mile perimeter that they might fly. Uh, it not hit um, some farmland, some agricultural uh, uh, chemicals, you know, pesticides, herbicides, fungicides. And that's, that's the big trick. So 
Uh, hopefully, as we get more organic farming in the state of Iowa, we could also get some apiaries that that follow. And, and it, that would just be great for our biodiversity in general. But it is tricky. It's a tricky ingredient. A very tricky ingredient. Though your your mm-hmm. vegan wax that you use, you mentioned Candelia wax. Is that a common wax that you mm-hmm. use for your products? Okay. Yep. That one, you have the NSF ANSI, <laughs> which a whole bunch of letters, yes. a whole bunch of yeah. acronyms. <laughs> Number 305 right. Organic Standards. Yeah. So that was one right. that came after the fact that one was not an established standard since Mm -hmm. 2009 would you say that it may be because the plant-based and really i mean cruelty-free movement started a long Mm -hmm. time ago but that's really started to take off yeah and and so mainly what happened was um we most companies realize that you can't make super efficacious skincare products with um with only food grade ingredients. And so it's really hard to find, uh, you know, or even especially making something shelf stable, like a lotion, uh, shampoo conditioner. It's very, very hard to make certified organic, um, versions of those. So the, um, NSF ANSI standard was developed so that it's kind of like the next it's, it's a step down from USDA organic, but it's a step up from what's out there commercially. So it's like, yeah, it's still scrutinized, um, heavily, more of a natural sense and not not organic. Sure. So still maintaining the standard that everybody would want, right. but understanding that not every product, not every raw ingredient has the ability to be 100% certified like right. these. <laughs> but right. But 70% is way more realistic. And so that's where that comes in. Um, yeah. Because part of this too is like we it's a juggling act of, you know, we want, we, we want a hundred percent organic products, but we want people to buy them. And there's, they're so used, to, you know, they're like, they're so used to these chemical laden products that feel a certain way and smell a certain way. And so it's good. It's just going to take a little while for people to, you know, to catch on and, you know, technology to catch up with it, with uh, consumer um, expectations. Sure. There's kind of a scale that I've noticed in cosmetics as well, where you have the super organic, a little crunchy, and I use that in the best way. You have the home crafted, which I love, and I have some of my favorite products that I use are from home crafters. And then you have the big companies that have done all of this greenwashing, essentially, on the other side of the scale. So your goal is to always still be palatable, still be buyable. You have to have a business, you have to have a company, and you also have to have really good products. But at the same time, strike that balance of being certifiable, being as excellent as you can. And as a company, you do kind of have to play that middle ground, but you've always taken it a step higher than the middle ground, which... I think is super commendable. Well, yeah, but we, we are not perfect by any means. Um, and, and so, I mean, one thing that we always think about is like, we're always, we're just existing. We're going to have an impact, a negative impact on the environment. So how do we lessen that impact? And one thing that has hurts me every day is that we take these pure raw materials that we source from around the world and fairly traded and, and, uh, and we take such great care in them and we bring them in and we blend them to perfection. And then, uh, and we, you know, we heat it as little as possible to preserve all the integrity of the ingredients. And and then we put it inside of this 
plastic container, you know. Oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, there's some recycled content in here, but still it's like we're still going through way too many of these plastic containers that are for single use. So we're addressing that. We, we launched a biodegradable container um, five years ago, uh, paper container, and it just it, it was great. I think you might have tried one. Um, I did. Yeah. So I remember seeing it and I wonder if it was in Yoga Journal or if I picked it up at a store. I, I, I remember like a peel off mm-hmm. paper tube and I thought that's the coolest thing because, yeah, plastic lip balm tubes and, and the like. I mean, you have to make sure they don't leach and it's just kind of a it's just kind of a necessary evil sometimes. Mm-hmm. But the effort was there, right, but maybe right. a little before your time. Right. <laughs> so we just didn't sell enough of them to make that, you know, worthwhile. Um, and consumers complained about it. They're like, oh, it's falling apart in my pocket and all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's kind of the, kind of the point of it. It's biodegradable. Then we launched a, um, so we discontinued that product. And then we launched a, uh, refillable lip balm called Pogo in 2016. And again, uh, it did not get the traction that we wanted it to get. And we had to discontinue that product as well. Um, we we continue to work on it, and uh, very soon we have a new innovation coming up that I will be able to share with you, and I can't do it today. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't wait, though. It's going to be a, it's a, oh, man. It's a super game changer. Yeah. Well, as soon as we get the insider information that's, you know, available to be made public, guys, go yep. ahead and check our socials because we will be blasting that into the interwebs for sure. That will be exciting. That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you are just busting, aren't you? Right. You want to tell me so bad. <laughs> that's yep. the hard part. Got to keep it under wraps. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Yep. So you've definitely had some some misses mm. in the the history of the company, like you said, with the biodegradable packaging, which, yes, it's really nice if biodegradable packaging doesn't biodegrade before mm-hmm. <laughs> we need it to. Um, and then the Pogo, the refillable one. What have been some other challenges that you've faced throughout the life of Ecolips? One challenge has just been really uh, – be- to- it took me 15 years to understand that true sustainability uh, involves profitability. And so it was always, it was always just in the beginning, it was like, you know, the more we sell, the better, the more good we're doing, the more we sell, the more good we're doing. And that's true in one, in one degree of the supply chain and in supporting organic and buying more acres of more crops and which is then of more organic you know, agriculture and then, uh, offsetting all of the, you know, the chemical crops. Um, but when we, uh, uh, <laughs> I just, I just totally lost my thought. My, and I'm sorry. Um, I, I, I started getting into, in the farmland era, but, uh, what the biggest challenge has been, uh, cash flow and like, Balancing growth with profitability, um, and and really focusing on the uh, the bottom line, and realizing that that is as equal uh, as equally important as the top line. So, to be truly sustainable, you need profitability to do more good, and it's real easy as an entrepreneur to just go top line, top line. I want to get more sales, more sales, more sales, but if that's 
not creating a really great foundation to grow from, um, you're not doing uh, yourself or your employees or sure. your business justice. We cannot, we cannot pour from an empty cup kind of with the whole, the whole, the whole self-care right. method that's yeah, going that's on great... right now too. There's all of these movements and it's, it's, I feel like it used to be, you know, sacrifice all for the good of the people, the planet, everything like that. But you, you can't, I mean, you, you have to live, your company has to exist in the uh, episode with our beekeeper and researcher, uh, Carol, she, she said, you know, it's really difficult when people's livelihoods depend on their industry thriving. And we've kind of put ourselves between a rock and a hard place. So if we've gotten ourselves into this um, life and these lifestyles of bigger, better, more, more, more. And that's that's been considered kind of the evil <laughs> way way of doing things. But then you have everyone or maybe your, your artists and your helpers and everything like that on the other end. Apparently, I like referencing scales today. But um, it's it, you do you do have to strike a balance. And if you're in the red, you can't be giving back, which is something that you've done a lot of recently, too. Right, right. So we always sort of looked at the product as the way that we were giving back. And now it's like, okay, the product's just one of the ways that we give back. And now that we're, now that we are making, so the, the B Corp, um, it's people, planet, and profit is how we look mm -hmm. at our triple bottom line. Right. And with the people, it's our employees and our community. Um, and, and so employees, $15 minimum hour, minimum wage, um, even in Iowa, you know, uh, and above, uh, above average benefits, insurance, et cetera, flex time, uh, community means community involvement. Um, everything from, you know, just engaging in things like this to, um, giving our employees volunteer hours to also giving money. We, uh, recently supported, um, the connect CR project, which is, a uh, we're redoing Cedar Lake. Um, we've given thousands of dollars to trees forever, uh, to help rebuild our canopy, um, in Cedar Rapids, uh, since the, uh, inland hurricane, the derecho. Uh, and, and so we, now we can actually take money and do good things with it, you know? Um, and so you got people, planet and profit planet, um, uh, is, is about using our solar power. It's about the organic ingredients, about everything that we've been talking about and, uh, and profit, fuels fuels those other two things excellent and with with that b corp it, so in 2007 is when b corp was started mm -hmm. and ecolips starting in 2000 was it three or 13 three we 2003 well, uh is when we were founded in 2000 yes. yes there we go that's excellent okay mm -hmm. so you were founded in 2003. B Corp started in 2007. Mm -hmm. You were certified in B Corp in 2013. There yeah. we go. I believe it was. Or your 13 score was actually lower than, uh -huh. than your 2016 score. So you've even made improvements since being certified. So it's kind of one of those things. And this is where I would ask people, for one, you can go on to the B Corp. You can just Google B Corp uh, assessment. And you can take the assessment um, for your small business, large business. Uh, it doesn't even need to be your business. You could do it for your employer and, and share the results with them. Um, 
but uh, we had always thought of ourselves as being a green company, as an influential leader in the green business movement. Um, and we thought that was good enough. And then once we learned the strength of the assessment, you know, once B Corp came out and we're like, you know, we looked at it for a few years, we're like that's, that's pretty intense, man. Global leaders have created this assessment and, and I, I'd be honest, uh, 2000, you know, probably before 2013, we, we wouldn't have passed it. You have to, you have a, uh, a score of up to 200, 200 to be a perfect sustainable company. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to have, you have to be at 80 or above to be a certified B Corp. And we are just, we just scored above 80. So, I mean, we barely were good enough and here we are like, we're ecolists, man. Of course we're good enough. And <laughs> we, so it just tells you that it's, it's not easy. Um, sure. And, and so every year, and I, I'm not sure why, we're, where we're at with our current assessment, but you know, the idea is now we've got an infrastructure um, to build from. And so now it's interlaced into our company goals and it's something that our employees are aware of. And um, if it can help our B score improve, it means it's going to help our company improve. And sure. so, that it just goes hand in hand with planning. Most definitely. Well, in in 2016, another interesting thing for the B Corporation website is you can actually go as a consumer and look up companies. Not that we need to be, you know, comparing Mm -hmm. our our companies that are trying to do good. Like you said, you're like, hey, man, we're going to do it. We're Ecolips. Oh, wait a sec. Okay, Mm -hmm. we need to check these check boxes, too. We didn't think about that. (laughs) But you can you can see how other companies are doing or what they have done. And honestly, you can see how many companies are not registered as B Corps, larger companies that don't really have an excuse not to be. There's, of course, smaller and, you know, the locally owned, the farmer's market, like you said, the uh, products that are going to be crafted in someone's kitchen in their home. Okay, they probably don't need to go pursue that B Corp certification. But I think it was, I was doing a little bit of research for one of the mini-sodes that came out today, alternatives for water that don't involve single-use plastic water bottles, different Mm -hmm. filters. Coca-Cola is one of the absolute worst companies out there as far as waste goes. And you better believe they are definitely not certified as a B Corp. And at this point, you would think that this giant would have the funds and the manpower to maybe make that switch. And the... But... (laughs) And and the duty as a corporate citizen you know like okay we you know it's like uh yeah the bigger they are i think the harder it is because it's like if you're a little if you're a a a two-person operation and you in your pr agency that would actually be pretty easy because you don't create a lot of waste and yes and there's and that's yeah well you theoretically shouldn't but Mm and you know as a manufacturer it does get harder but mm-hmm. also to your point, it's like, where are those? In, and that's the thing about B Corp is we take all shareholders into account, which is a community. It's the hu- humans, you know, um, in, in all, all places of the world. So all stakeholders rather than just the shareholders, whereas a Coca-Cola is really just worried about shareholders. And we take all stakeholders into account. That's, that's what it means. I mean, that, that's, that's the B Corp philosophy right there. And and I think companies can hold that philosophy without holding the certification. But you have mentioned that every certification you've added on has been 
incredible for your business as well. It's that trust. Right. And that, I think that's like that anecdotally, well, actually it's, it's driven by data, but it's like each seal that we have gotten, each third party seal has been a lot of work. It's been a fair amount of expense. It's been a lot of coordination, a lot of, uh, it, it does show some vulnerabilities in, in, in our work and we have to work towards solving some problems to get those certifications. But every single time we added a certification, our sales went up 15% on average. And that's where I'm like, why wouldn't you do that? If you can, it's like Yvonne Chouinard at Patagonia said, the more money that they give away every year, the better their business does. It's like, so let's just keep becoming better at, you know, being more responsible socially responsible and environmentally responsible businesses and let's start continue giving to the right places and let's continue to watch our businesses flourish i i don't know if you have read the book let my people go surfing have you read yvonne schoenard's oh, oh yeah. man it's excellent and for anyone oh, yeah. who likes to read and is curious about any of this or if you are a business owner and you're just kind of starting you're scraping your knuckles trying to get by and you have these big aspirations go read it's i believe that's the title let my people go surfing yeah. it's yep. so good and so interesting to see the humble beginnings of this company that was never really supposed to be a company and how they took right. off it's a, it's a super excellent read and it's 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 easy and enjoyable it's not business heavy i uh, yeah, mm-hmm. hands down. That's been like my book of the year. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. And it's tricky too. I mean, like he's got this, and I straight up struggle with this, but I mean, he's got um, surfboards in the lobby of their, you know, headquarters. And when the surf's up, because you don't know when it's going to be up, you know, uh, or when the surf's good, employees can go out and surf. And it is really tricky to run your business like that and to you know like you gotta be like uh i mean so we have bikes that people can take um but still it's not like anybody can leave you can't leave the manufacturing floor at any any time you want and go ride your bike (laughs) but there are times that you can and um but it is it it, but it's inspirational to, to see how he viewed the growing of his business and his relationship to capitalism and um yeah, Paul Hawken is another uh, another author that has uh, had some successful businesses and has shared this kind of ethos. And um, I think it's important you mentioned that book because those are things that have fueled and, and made me realize that mm-hmm. it's possible to. It's there, there's no real rules to running a business. Um, you know, you can you can create whatever business sure. you want and how and however you want and to his test uh, to the testament of patagonia his company too they've been in business for so long and it, he shares in that book some of the mess ups that they had one was a initial fabric purchase that they got for their original shirts the first apparel piece that they had and the second year they had them, they switched fabric or they switched manufacturers or something and they fell apart and he thought it was going to absolutely ruin the company but you come back even just a few years ago with your packaging. You know, you are, I believe, if I, I'll check my records correctly, I think you, Ecolypse is the longest standing company that we've had on the podcast so far. Yay! And yes, <laughs> you win. <laughs> right, right. 
my friend Kat had the youngest podcast at, I think they sold their first simple syrup at market a month and a week before we recorded oh, wow. our episode. And then we've got you guys with 17 years. So Yeah, and that, that speaks to, so this is something that I struggle to talk to young entrepreneurs about. Well, I don't struggle. They struggle to hear me because it's like Yvonne Chouinard is now a billionaire, right? Um, uh, and he's got a company that's doing over a billion dollars in sales, but he's been doing it for 50 years now, 40, you know, whatever. Ecolypse is finally like, you know, of value. And so, you know, the other thing, it's like, you know, the, 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 the faster, uh, the faster a rainstorm comes on the, you know, the, 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 the faster the rain starts, the faster it leaves, you know, it's like, um, the same with business. A lot of times, if you have a really, if you have a really great first six months, you are probably going to struggle. Um, and so overnight success is doesn't really exist. When you read about it, it's like, oh, they worked on it for 25 years before that happened. I mean, you might have the anomalies in the tech field where it's like, start a business, boom, sold it for a billion dollars. But it's just not common. So setting the expectation up properly and saying, I'm going to create something that's sustainable and substantial, and I'm going to create jobs and create a legacy business that can continue on even longer than I am around. That is, that's success. I love how you say that too, the legacy business. And that is, that is your legacy to the industry that you will eventually leave behind when you choose to go mm -hmm. camping full time <laughs> or when you know, right. when leave our earth. But um, it's, yep. that's, that is, and that's, that's real change too. It's not just like you said, it's, you know, we set out to change the world with a better product and your gift to the mm -hmm. people on the planet was a product that was better and better for the environment. And now you're giving back in even more ways and setting a better standard for other companies that are coming up behind you too. Yeah, there you go. And I love it when we, we get copied by competition, big and small. I mean, whether it's, uh, you know, Chapstick or Blistex or it's somebody uh, that is much smaller than us. And, uh, and I love it. It keeps us on our toes. We're like, okay, you know, for one, we must be innovating if people are copying us. And for two, it's like, let's keep innovating in the, in the most environmentally responsible sense so that people have to rise up. And we, as we can continue to create that consumer following and that demand, then it's bliss. It's like, great. Yeah. Sure. More organic. You've set that standard. You've raised yep. the bar. Yep. Excellent. So in addition, and some people might not know this, unless they're maybe in the Cedar Rapids area or know you personally, Ecolypse has not been your only endeavor. No. You also have a couple. Well, I'm sure you have more <laughs> than a couple. You probably have more than I know about. But creating uh, initial or better jobs, not better jobs necessarily, but more jobs and um, better offerings for the Cedar Rapids area too. You have two current businesses that are, I think, favorites of many that are in the area, Bruhemia and Right. Soko. So um, I, I look at those like, and, and thankfully, Ecolypse is an anchor enough uh, in my life and in the community and uh, financially that that I can invest in the community. And so these these other, I, I, I have not, uh, received a single dollar from the three businesses that are currently 
that we're going to talk about. One is Bruhemia, and we are the most popular um, local independently owned coffee shop cafe in Cedar Rapids. Um, super proud of it, but it is a hub and you'll see whether it's, uh, you know, um, you know, we see developers in there working on plans. We see city leaders and officials meeting about, um, upcoming, you know, changes, whatever, uh, we see, uh, a, a grandma and a mom and a daughter, you know, uh, eating lunch there too. So it's a really come together space. Um, it's in the heart of New Bohemia District, which is another area that I have been a part of for 20-some years now. With Silco Outfitters, similarly, we're like Bohemia, there was no coffee shop that was serving the community like we believed it should. So we're like, let's do it. Let's make this cool and let's be a hub. Silco Outfitters, we had Cedar Rapids had no independently owned local outdoor store for camping, hiking and uh, just general outdoor activities. And so we're like, let's, let's do that. Now we recently opened the Olympic. And so we're actually, Soko Outfitters is a Patagonia, uh, the only Patagonia dealer in Cedar Rapids as well. And then we just recently opened up the Olympic Southside Theater and it's a 10,000 square foot event center right above Bohemia. And again, it's, it's one of those things where there was not an urban venue that was serving the community in downtown in the new Bohemia district. And so we restored an old an old theater, and uh, and we have had some amazing success with it, even through these uh, strange COVID distancing times. Excellent! I did not know about the Olympic. That is so exciting to me. And I have been to Bohemia. I'll need to scroll back in my phone or, of course, my Instagram and find the gigantic cinnamon roll (laughs) that I had. It came with, like, a a chef's knife stabbed into it. I rolled, man, I got a cinnamon roll, and I'm thinking I'm going to get this tiny little roll. And, oh, sir, it was was breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It was large. (laughs) But that area, too, that has had a lot of up-and-coming businesses. And I think it's important to note that Urban areas like that do not thrive unless someone takes a chance and puts something in there. And you have New Bow Market down there. You have the Artist Lofts. You have Bohemia. But there, it, it's all these small, independently owned, you know, semi-newer, maybe a little indie style businesses that have been revitalizing these areas. And it's it's a wonderful little collective down there. It's a super great area. If people haven't been there, if you're in Iowa, go check it out. It's awesome. So Ecolips moved into this area, uh, actually raining with our first lip balm business back in 97, 98. And because it was the cheapest rent in town and mm. it was a part of town that most people wouldn't go to. It was it was a little rough and it was factory blue collar and, uh, you know, um, affordable housing. And it was just like people didn't have a reason to come down here. Sure. Uh, we were in a building called the cherry building and a guy named rich Dana moved here from Brooklyn, New York, and was doing some work on the building. And, and he was like, you know, in Brooklyn, they turn old warehouse districts like this into arts districts. And, uh, we're like, cool, let's do it. <laughs> and so we, we put, we, but you know, a couple entrepreneurs, artists, you know, random derelicts around here and like sat in a room and, what should we call it? We voted on New Bohemia, and that was when it was born. It was I beautiful. love it. That's yeah. excellent. So, is yeah. New Bohemia, or is the the neighborhood, or is that generally who you serve when you um, use your 
giving back with the entrepreneurial internship and consulting, or do you go through other methods? Uh, yeah, so, right. So um, Nubo Co. is now um, uh, part of the Startup Accelerator in, in here. Well, Startup Accelerator is part of Nubo Co. But uh, yeah, so the majority of the entrepreneurial work that I do is through the, uh, in the, in the New Bohemia area. Okay. Um, but I do help people across the country over the phone and I haven't been, I, I haven't charged a single penny for any of my consulting work because I just haven't felt good about doing that. <laughs> so, uh, but I just love, I love business. I love startup. I love people that are driven to create positive change specifically. And so I want to keep, keep helping people do that. You are giving back through every method possible, Steve. I should tell you to know your worth with your consulting, but I completely understand what you mean by, you know, you get to be this leader and you get to see the change made, you know, with not only yourself and your company, but the people that you talk to, people that you influence and inspire. And that, again, is that legacy that you, to quote you earlier, the legacy that gets left behind and that creates that real change. Excellent. Well, on that note, do you have any advice? I'm sure mm. you have loads. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> any advice for let's go with um let's go with consumers first mm. and then we'll get back into entrepreneurs. Any advice for consumers? Um I have three daughters uh, and and so we consume way more than, you know, I would prefer to consume in our house and um and I think it's just important that, you know, obviously the old cliche is like we vote with, vote with our dollars, and it, it 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 is still so true that every single purchase that we make makes a difference, and and but there's also no perfect um there, there there's really no perfect household there's no perfect solution so um just do the best you can you know it's like when you can buy organic buy fair trade buy non GMO um and it it's also gets expensive. And so, um, when you can buy local and, and hopefully, um, you know, if we all just do as much of that as possible, um, we can create the change that we need to see. And that kind of ties right into probably advice that you would give to entrepreneurs too. I mean, we're all consumers. Every entrepreneur is also going to be a consumer. Like you said, it is the, the side effect of having to be, uh, being a, a human being is we're going to create waste and we're going to consume things. But as far as entrepreneurs in your 17 plus 17 years of Ecolips, what would be the biggest piece of advice you could give entrepreneurs? Mm-hmm. My brother who's our chief operating officer there said to me one time um he said uh your impatience is a virtue you know so we normally think of patience is a virtue and for me it's like i i want to drive results i so i can't stand waiting another week to meet about something if we could make a decision today and be a week further um I have taken a failing a failing business and because and, and rather than look at monthly financials, look at weekly financials and made and pivoted every week to get. So um, I would say be impatient with yourself and your um, and your your suppliers and your partners uh, if you really want to drive results. We as a society that is full of wealth 
have the ability and the ease and the privilege to be complacent. And complacent people do not uh, do not create um, as much change as rapidly at, at all. And so, be aware of when you're being complacent. I'm saying it's, it's okay to take a break every once in a while, but understand that the harder you work and the higher expectation that you have on yourself and your team, the more the better results you can. Excellent. Uh, you, you will see. I'm going to write that out and put it on my wall. Oh, no. I, <laughs> Sometimes I need that. <laughs> right. Just, yeah. I don't know. I, I think I, I'm just like, I, I would be mad at myself if I was not as productive as I am. And people are like, how do you do it? How do you have four businesses? And I know you're helping startups and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, um, part mm-hmm. of it is that I, I work a lot because I enjoy it. Um, but the other part is that I, I expect results, you know, it's like, I expect results. I mean, if, if, if we're working together, um, we're going to, mm-hmm. we're going to do good things together. And, um, and if you're not going to get onto my, you know, my clock, uh, uh which is rapidly moving, um, then sure. you might not be a good fit for us. Um, my wife calls it Shriver time because she's like, oh, they oh, they don't know like they don't know that like if if you have a conversation with me about doing something, it might just get done in the next like the minute after we're done. I want Shriver time. Talking. Shriver time sounds like it has so, 32 hours in the day instead of 24 or you just like speed it yeah. up and accelerate the CPU and you go. <laughs> and you figure it out, too. It's like that's also just effective leadership in in delegating what you can and understanding what you should tackle and what you should um you know what you should have help with so excellent steve those are just yeah beautiful beautiful words of wisdom those are getting those are going on my wall it's gonna happen quote me on that it'll end up on my social media later (laughs) and the final question sir what do you eat or drink when you're not consuming. <laughs> Usually it'd be when you're not consuming your own products, but I guess we are kind of ingesting the lip balm too. What's your favorite? Oh man. Oh, I, okay. So I love kombucha. Um, I, I like trying out every new kombucha that comes out. Um, but I think Trilogy, I can't remember the name of the brand, but that's like my go-to um, kombucha. And then uh, uh, I, c- coconut curry, uh, tofu and kale um, is like my go-to. So if I see a, a kale curry anything, and if it's coconut curry anything, and especially if there's tofu, I'm on it. I'm eating that all the time. We're regularly. having tofu curry for dinner. Yeah. You want to come over for dinner? Because that's what I'm making tonight. I'll put in kale. I'll be there. <laughs> I right. just told my partner I need to I need to press the tofu. Don't let me forget to press the tofu. So. That's happening. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, excellent. Steve, thank you <laughs> so much for taking time out of your busy day. And again, like that's really a busy day for you to be on the podcast, to chat with me, to give everyone else a bit of insight into everything that you have to share, which is so much. And you're always sharing it and giving back. And it's so grateful. All right, guys. Thank you so much. You can find us at the .ethical.consumer on Instagram, you can find us on Facebook. You can also find Steve and Equalips on Instagram, Facebook, and their website. <laughs>